the big show. Jake Scott with you, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's continue the college football conversation. Let's get out to the Smart Rain special guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows that 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of their save now, pay later promotion, and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. Joining us now, of course, Ute legend, former Patriot as well, our friend Christian Cox. Christian, first and foremost, congratulations. I heard the new arrival is here. Well, thank you, Jake. Congratulations to you. You're like Colin Cowherd just running your show solo. So uh, glad to glad to be on here with you. Um, yes, had a baby yesterday, and it was, uh, it was pretty wild. If you want to hear a good story about it, I'll give it to you. Yes, yes, of course. So... Um, let me ask you a question, Jake. Have you ever caught a baby out of your out of your wife when she was giving birth before? <laughs> no, no, I have not. Well, apparently, after you have about four kids on your fifth, when you have a really good uh, OBG, Doctor Ryan Miller, apparently he listens to your show. Great All right. guy. All right. Um, he uh, he gave me the opportunity to uh, I don't what it was it go under center catch a, <laughs> catch a child. I'm not really sure what you call it. But um, I had the chance. I got to be a doctor yesterday. Legitimately, they put me in scrubs, and um, I was able to, you know, I guess help escort my child out of my wife and handed my child to my wife. And honestly, sounds horrible. Pretty special. Probably one of the the coolest moments of my entire life, and I'm glad that they really pressured me into doing it, my wife and Dr. Miller, because it was – probably my last child maybe not who knows but it was it was insane it was probably one of just can't make that stuff up so i went under center yesterday and my wife um it was our fifth kid we have seven we have uh my oldest is seven i got five on the age of seven but uh it was showed up for an induction uh wife had a smooth pregnancy had a baby by 10 45 and um you know credit to dr miller and to my wife it was a pretty special day Absolutely special is the word, man. That's great. Under center. Uh, I mean, that's that's pretty classic yeah. imagery right there. But yeah, absolutely. What a what a special moment. That's that's incredible, dude. Congrats. Yeah. Glad All I'm right. Here. Let's let's talk a little football. And by the way, you jumping on the show the day after is above and beyond. Uh, well, don't hey, don't get hey, yourself in trouble. Hey, Jake. Any, anything for you? Uh, anything for you? Well, dude, I got dude. clearance. My wife said okay. Oh, so. you're the best. All right, well let's let's jump into this here, um, Christian. What I guess, what are you expecting out of Utah with a week off to be able to deal with what they've got going on as a team? Maybe regroup a little bit and figure out a way to, you know, push that energy onto the field. I, I in a positive way, I guess is is probably the goal of the coaches. But I mean, I honestly don't know what to expect from this team. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you on that, Jake. I, it's just, you know, going into the Coliseum, Utah hasn't played well at the Coliseum really ever uh, as, as you look at history. Um, and, you know, obviously coming off of uh, just a, a tragic last 10 days, um, you know, with the death of, of Aaron Lowe. And um, I, I, I think we talked about this last week. I just I don't know how you – I think you've had a little more time. Apparently there's a cliche, uh, time heals all wounds. And, you know, I, I, I hope that this allows the team to really just channel their energy into playing for something greater than themselves. That's 
sounds very lame, but that's how the great teams are are made, right? It's not necessarily skill. It's sometimes what what are you playing for? What's your higher purpose of playing? Um, you go back to the Tim Tebow days. He wasn't the most talented person, but he was very clear on his intention of what he wanted to accomplish and win. And you know, when you're playing for you know Aaron Lowe and also Ty Jordan, um, you know they're going to retire their numbers. I think it'll be a special special moment for them and I think going into the locker room um, you know before the game against USC and having never won I, I think there's a lot of reasons to be hyped up for a football game and, and to play with a lot of purpose and uh, I think it's a great opportunity for Utah to get on track on the year they've had a really a uh, I'd say more of a I wouldn't even say Jekyll and Hyde it's been a pretty poor year they're just fortunate to be you know two and two right so um, 1-0 in conference play, and, you know, you, you've not played well on the road. The last time you played USC on the road, I think it was Matt Fink. You, yeah. He knocked out Slovis yeah. early. And uh, I think it was Pitt, Pittman who caught a bunch of touchdowns over the top. And, um, you know, Tyler Huntley played well, but I think Zach Mosk was kind of out of that game. And you just kind of hope that Utah can come out and just play Utah football. I think this year uh, what I've been disappointed with is just – the lack of energy, the lack of enthusiasm to play the game, and that's not Utah style. You play with the chip, you play with uh, passion and, and respect for the people who've come before you. And you know, sometimes when you get a lot of talent in an organization, um, sometimes you lose that edge. And I think with the quarterback change, and hopefully the line can block a little better, and um, you kind of you know solidifying who's going to be the number one at, at running back. Um, I, I think Utah's. Listen, I, I think they got a much better chance to go on the road. And, and again, it's, it, what's tough, I guess, it's not like a major victory because USC lost at home to Oregon State. And USC is super, super talented, but they haven't had a winning streak on the year. So they've won one, lost one all year. So it's, uh, it's going to be a fun game on Saturday night. You don't know who's going to show up on both ends. You know, we talked so much about this game before the year, Christian, on how important it was going to be. And and true, both these teams are not what we envisioned, or at least we thought we were going to be getting. But to your previous point, you know, they still have everything to play for. I mean, this is still a pivotal game in the conference because the conference has been so wacky and nobody wants to take the bull by the horns and really be the, you know, kind of the leader in the league, so to speak. And so maybe these teams aren't quite where we thought they'd be, but I think this game is still really important. Oh, it's huge, right? Not only, uh, obviously, USC lost to Oregon State, who's is, is a North opponent, but this is massive for the, the South, right? Yeah. Like, this this game is really determined who's won the Pac-12 South every single year, right? And so um, UCLA's playing pretty well, um, but Utah's always beat SC, or most of the times, at home at Rice-Eccles. So, for them, it'd just be a major stamp on the season. I I think it'd be a major win against a, a formidable opponent. Like USC is no slouch. They still get all of the recruits. They still get all of the top talent. Uh, they just don't seem to put it together for a full season. They'll, they'll go nine and three, and you know maybe win a bowl game. And they're inconsistent um, because maybe they can't cheat anymore. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> The Pete Carroll days are over and the Matt Leinart and Reggie Bush days. But I don't know. What's interesting to me is as I look at this game, Keaton Slovis had one of his best games against Colorado on the road. He threw three touchdowns. He had a QB rating over 160. 
you know, it was one of his better games. Uh, Slovis has is, is actually gotten worse as his years went on, right? His 2020 year last year, yeah. he had the most interceptions he's ever had. Uh, so just like the SC, you know, being inconsistent this year, win one, loss one, uh, obviously lost to Stanford as well. Um, like, how how is Keaton Slovis going to play? If he plays like he does against Colorado, it's going to be a, a tough day for Utah. And if Utah's defense is stuck out on the field the whole game, it's going to be a rough go, uh, like it kind of was the first half against Washington State. But if, if Utah can disrupt and, and put pressure on Slovis and make him uncomfortable, he is prone to make mistakes. He's prone to throw interceptions. That's his, that's his greatest weakness. So with his greatest strength, he can deliver a ball on a dime. He can make good decisions. But he's been known to make bad throws and make bad decisions. That's why they lost against Oregon in the Pac-12 championship. Uh, that's why BYU beat, beat him at home, I think, two years ago. He threw an interception late in the game to seal it for BYU. So I, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm actually really excited about the game. I just want to see the brand of football that we're all accustomed to and used to of the team playing, like Utah style. And I haven't seen it this year, really, in full transparency. Um, And that's what I miss. I want to see the team come out and play with a lot more energy and purpose and not just be flat and hope they turn it around the second quarter. I just, I haven't seen that out of a, again, for such a, a, a laden team with leadership, uh, to be so lackadaisical, I haven't seen that in a long time, and I, I just want to see something different on Saturday. Yeah, and see him get that physical edge back. I think you're you're totally right, and I really think the run game. And you mentioned you know identifying a running back earlier. I think the run game is really going to be key. Get back to running the football like Utah, you know, like Utah of old, or how Utah's always been. But I I thought that T.J. Pledger brought a big spark against Washington State. He didn't fumble. He was I think the only guy that uh, that afternoon not to fumble. And I thought he played really really well. And uh, I. I think he might be a running back one, but I seem to be the only one saying that. So what what do you think? I don't know. where. Who's the guy right now running listen, the football? Listen, I can promise you no one's paying me money to be on the show, and no one's paying me for this take, but I completely agree with you. I think Pledger, when I saw those two big runs, I was like, where has this guy been? I know he dropped a pass early against uh, Weber State, and that's kind of why he, he went back in the depth chart, but... I, listen, I like I like Mackay Bernard or Micah Bernard or Mackay, however we pronounce it. I want to be I want to be right about that. But Pledger Pledger brings a, a level of power and a little more dynamicness to me of that classic old Utah style, right? He's I, when I see him run, I see true top talent D one athlete runner. Uh, when I see Mackay Bernard run, I see more of a, a skill position third down out of the backfield type runner, right? They're just for different types of runners, right? And and that's what Utah's always been known for, right? Darrell Mack was different than Matt Asiata and Eddie Wide was different than those two, right? So Pledger, I, I think he's number one. Um, he didn't fumble the ball. He's had two big runs. But you know Kyle, right? If you're turning the ball over, you're going to go back on the depth chart. And um, he didn't do that against Washington State. And I think on the road – uh, I think I think he'll be the guy. I think obviously Mackay Bernard and him will be will kind of be rotating. So um, a good problem to have to have five running backs, but also a, a tough problem to deal with. Like you still need a number one. Like Zach Moss was the clear number one, but why was Zach Moss the clear number one? 
because he was physical. He could catch out of the backfield. He was he was a real uh, rounded back, and we need pleasure to be that type of guy. That's why he came from Oklahoma. How'd you think uh, the defense played against Washington State? I thought they. You know what? The first, listen, I I my takes are they are, but. They got the raw end of the deal a couple they, – they've had a horrible offense. Like, they they haven't had a great offense to get them off the field, right? They've been kind of left out there, abandoned at times. Against BYU, they're left out there because Utah can't convert on third downs. Against San Diego State, they didn't really score the first half. The game got interesting in the fourth quarter. And against Washington State, the defense came up with some massive plays. The You know, an interception, um, two interceptions – they were, were big time. I think they had seven sacks. So, you know, Sack Lake City was coming back. So, you know, you have to come up with those types of plays to, to actually swing momentum. And what was tough for Utah against Washington State was, what was it, two fumbles on the goal line, um, a missed field goal on the 20. And so uh, the defense is stuck on, you know, short fields where the offense is supposed to score. And, you know what? Credit to them. They they just bowed their neck and kept them in the game. Like they easily could have just given up when their offense wasn't converting on these easy goal line scores. Like they came up with nothing. Not even a field goal. You have three attempts on the ten and inside. You have it on the actual goal line and you fumble. <laughs> and uh so, you know, the, I think the defense is coming alive. I think Devin Lloyd's the, obviously the heartbeat of it. Um, but you need, you know, you need good edge rushers. And you, you, I thought Mika Tafua would do a little more this year. He hasn't shown up as much as I'd like. Uh, I thought Fillinger, you know, as a freshman, he's starting to come. He's starting to come around. But that makes sense. It's what are we on game five? You have a bye week. Um, it, it's now like you're in the middle section of the of, of the actual run here. And um, that's where players are, are starting to develop, especially young guys. There's no more. There's no more of this like, oh, he's a freshman. Like that, that kind of goes away when you're in season form. You've gone through camp, and you're on the other side of a bye week. Like you know who your roster really is, and you know what Utah needs to do. And I think Kyle and, and Morgan and and uh, Andy Ludwig are, are great at this. But you got to just make sure you're you're playing the best players as, as much as you want to rotate. You got to win football games, and um, you got to develop talent, but. You just got to play the best players, and uh, if they're getting more reps, who cares? You got to you got to win the games. Okay, so what's the sweet spot this weekend then? If they hold USC under what score, you would feel confident in Utah's ability to win? Well, apparently, like <laughs> the offense is like struggling to put up seventeen points, right? You know, twenty points. I listen. I, I'm not. I, I'm a. I'm an optimist by nature, right? But I'm a realist in my life because of just the harsh reality of life. But I, I really think Utah is going to come out and if they can play with a little bit more just chippiness, like Stanford kind of just punched USC in the mouth. Like they were on It was just unexpected. Uh, Oregon state actually threw the ball all over them. They weren't ready for it. I think their QB had four touchdowns. So it, it really is the it's the it's the style that Utah needs to play with, and if Utah can come establish the run, and you know uh, Cam Rising can not turn the ball over and manage the offense, and the defense can get some turnovers against you know Slovis and get in control of the game. Like if you look at the four games, really the last three, 
when have you really felt like Utah's been in control of the game? Like, this is the first time in a long time, three straight games, that Utah hasn't really been in control of most of them, if not. Like, Washington State was late that they they put the hammer down. So if Utah can go on the road and and really, you know, establish the run and make some good plays with rising and actually, you know, threaten downfield and utilize their tight ends, I think it could be – I think it could be just like Stanford. I think they could run away with it. But if they just come out and play flat and let USC and the crowd get into it, just like they did against BYU, I think it could be a long, long night. And I don't think, I don't think you're going to get the, the, the BYU on the road type Utah team. I think you're going to get a Utah team that is playing with purpose and passion. And if they don't, um, I'll be just like every other Utah fan. I'll be pretty disappointed. I just don't think Kyle Whittingham – uh, Morgan Scally, Sharif Shah, Lewis Powell, uh, Andy Ludwig, um, you know, would let them come out and do that. I just, I just think there's been just too much going on uh, off the field and even at practice to allow them to do that. This is a, this is a big time uh, game, and like you said, if they can come out and get this victory, uh, that's a, that's a monumental Pac-12 South win on the road against SC, which you haven't done in a, apparently 100 years. So. So I want to ask you an NFL question real quick, and uh, if you didn't have a chance to see the game, uh, just just let me know. But uh, I was curious if you saw Tom's uh, homecoming with the Buccaneers to New England to take on the Patriots, because hey, the Bucks ended up winning, and Tom came out on top, I guess. Except for the <laughs> Patriots were way overmatched, and they made it tough. So I think I I actually think Bill got a little bit of vindication in the game, I guess. For even though they lost, I I. I I thought Tampa was going to blow them away, and they didn't. Yeah, it was. Uh, I watched the game. I watched the whole thing. Uh, yeah, they were running some crazy schemes. Like Bill Belichick got all, you know, brought out all the wizardry. His son was calling the defense, but he he was actually calling the defense. Bill's running the whole thing. They made it tough with a lot of different looks, um, but Tom Brady wasn't comfortable. You could tell he was overthrowing guys and got different looks and it was tough weather and it was a 1917 final um it was a pretty boring game overall right the sunday night football games have been pretty awesome this year the green bay san francisco the color uh, the, the cowboys tampa first game um listen a win's a win uh, i wouldn't give bill belichick the the vindication because they were yes they were overmatched but they didn't win, um, but yeah, it was it was not a fun football game to watch, and Tom Brady wasn't comfortable. And uh, credit to listen, if you have ever been to New England uh, in the fall, it is it is not the most fun place to play if the weather is bad. Um, so, I'm not giving an excuse because dude played there for 20 years and beat up the Oakland Raiders on the old. I think Lloyd Cole remembers yeah. that play the the old. Uh, Full out fumble or whatever it was the the, the, the weird the tuck claims, rule you know, yeah the tuck rule um, but listen it was Bill Belichick he's a he's a hard nosed grinder that's for sure and um, it was interesting to see all of his different schemes he was throwing at him it was cool to see he would sometimes bring three or four or five, and then he would drop two and just lots of different looks made it really complicated and uh, I was surprised again. Tom Brady didn't have Gronk, but he just he he just didn't feel comfortable. It was it was interesting to me. It's the first time I'd seen him that way, and um, since he played the Saints last year. 
So if I'm reading what you're saying is Florida's made Tom Brady soft. <laughs> I didn't say that. But you can <laughs> but read kinda. between the lines. I kind of said that. But. So, Christian, I guess my last question for you is, with five kids now under seven, have you gotten a break from diapers in seven years? Uh, no. No. Just part of my part of the daily routine now, Jake, you know? Because I, I have, I have a, yeah, I have a four year old and now I have a five month old, but I got yeah. like a, I got like a year yeah, and a half, sure. two years of no diapers there. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't had, I haven't had that. And I obviously I'll, I'll change a diaper any day. I don't care. Oh, I was um, talking to somebody about that the other day on the, the challenges of parenting. Uh, I put changing diapers like. One thousandth on the list. I'll change diapers all day long compared to yeah, the other stuff. There's way worse things. Like my wife was in the hospital last night. She stayed overnight, and I was, I had the four kids, and I was putting the bed. And I'm like, because I got home and I was taking care of everybody. I'm like, I would, Camille, your job is way harder than mine. I wouldn't want to do this full time. Like this is, I'm ex- by like nine thirty. I was like so exhausted. I'm like, all right, let's call it a night, everybody. Go uh, to bed. Oh, dude, I go to bed so early when I can. Yeah, and, and I have two. You have five. I I admire you, my friend. Uh, honestly, you you are a you are a great dad, and I I admire your family greatly. And congratulations on the new arrival and getting under center yesterday. That's that honestly, that's got to be a really cool moment. Well, thanks, Jake. Um, excited for you though as well. Uh, no better radio person to be ha- handling his own show. So. Well, I appreciate Anytime it, you guys want me on, I'll be on here. Oh, man, we'll take advantage of it. Enjoy enjoy the game on Saturday, Christian. Thank you. Okay, thanks, Jake. Thanks, buddy. Christian Cox, of course, uh, former Ute, former Patriot, one of the best guys out there. Had a baby yesterday and uh, was still willing to jump on the show today. What a, what a good dude. And really, uh, just a wonderful family and uh, awesome. Could not be more excited. Uh, for Christian and, and his crew. Yeah, seven seven kids under five. I, I I don't know why that hit me. Like, wow, Christian has not had a break from diapers since what, what year would... Five kids under seven. You said seven kids under five. Five kids under seven. Sorry, yeah. sorry. So that means Christian uh, would not have had a diaper break since... What year is that, Hatch? Don't do math on the air. 2014. 2014. Christian's been changing diapers. Like I said, I got a little bit of a break in there. Your kids have a, the time just, in between. I got I got out of I'm out of it right now. You're out now? Yes. Nice. We're nice. dealing with pull-ups for one kid. That's really the only thing we okay. have overnight, and that's it. That's all right. So, yeah. But like I said, changing diapers isn't that bad compared to the other People stuff. People were like, you're going to hit like as you said, compared to other things, no problem. Uh, my my five month old had the sniffles. You know, had some stuffiness all last week, and gratefully she's just getting over it. But I mean, compared to how difficult that was, I'll change fifty diapers a day. Bring it out. All right. Thanks to Christian for jumping on with us. We appreciate it. Hans Olsen is going to be on with us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour, so stay tuned for that. It is The Big Show on a Thursday, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. 
Dylan Calling, former BYU wide receiver. Right now, easy to say Alabama and Georgia are literally in a league of their own. But the rest of that pack, that 128 other teams, BYU is the playoff viable team, and they genuinely believe that. And so to go out there and to know you can put your third string quarterback in and just decide, yeah, we're just going to run all over this team, that is completely game-changing. And to be honest with you, I don't see that really changing over the next five, six, seven years because of the momentum going into the recruiting pickup, the Big 12, all these different aspects that now BYU is playing. It's going to be very hard not to see BYU as a top 25 team for the next 10, 12 years. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It is The Big Show. Jake Scott with you, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big thanks to Christian Cox, who jumped on with us in the last segment, talking a little Utah football. They've got a big matchup with USC this weekend. Of course, BYU taking on Boise State. I think the key to both games is going to be running the football. I was glad to hear uh, uh, Christian, well, I guess it doesn't matter, but Christian agreed with me that uh, TJ Pledger at least should be the guy, should be given the opportunity to be the guy at RB1, and we'll see what they do going into this uh, USC game. But it was uh, fun, of course, to talk to our friend Christian Cox in the last segment. Big thanks to him for coming on. Jazz lost last night to the Mavericks, preseason game number two, 111 101, in a game, honestly, that, 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 didn't matter all that much in the grand scheme of things because pretty much nobody in the Jazz rotation really played. I shouldn't say nobody. Uh, Jordan Clarkson played 17 minutes. I think uh, Eric Paschal is going to be fighting for time, uh, possibly in the rotation. And Royce O'Neal played 17 minutes as well. But outside of that, I mean, it was it was pretty much guys who were battling for the the back of the roster and any sort of opportunity to. Um, you know, put some play on film, stay in the league, uh, get a spot, um, you know, with the team in the G League to get a look, you know, all those things. And, and I thought the game really went like that for the Jazz. The, the Jazz played really hard. They played hard at the beginning of the game when Dallas was playing all the, their guys. And, yeah, Luka Doncic did pretty much whatever he wanted to, as you'd expect. I mean, he didn't play in the second half, and he finished the game with 19.6 rebounds and five assists and was really good. But the Jazz outscored the Mavericks in the first quarter 31 to 22. I mean the team was playing hard. Quinn Snyder talked in the uh, post game a lot about how the ball moved better. Seemed very pleased with the ball movement from the younger players as they uh, are coming in and trying to learn the system and and carve out a spot for themselves. And you know, there were two players that I thought stood out in for different reasons in the game last night. And uh, let's start with uh, let's start of course with rookie Jared Butler who uh, had his second consecutive good game. He got off to a slow start against San Antonio, but then really played well in the second half and played well really all game long uh, against the Mavericks. He was 9 for 18. He had uh, 22 points, 4 assists. He did have 3 turnovers all in the second half. But for the most part, we saw some really high-level NBA play from Jared Butler and I think the most important thing, and I talked to David James about this uh, earlier in the 2 o'clock hour, I thought the most important thing I saw from him is that he had little trouble beating his guy. He had little trouble, uh, 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 you know, we saw that crossover move into the step back three. I mean, we saw some really sweet moves that make him difficult to guard. And when we're talking about this Jazz team, you know, if you look at 
Uh, if you look at the players that are going to be in the, the rotation, Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert, Hassan Whiteside, Boyan Bogdanovich, Rudy Gay, <coughs> excuse me, Jordan Clarkson, uh, Royce O'Neal, and Eric Paschal. That is 10 players right there. That are 10 veteran players that are expected to be in the rotation in some way, shape, or form. And I say some way, shape, or form because Quinn Snyder has said he's going to go with an eight-man rotation this year. There was some thought maybe he would he would go with a nine-guy rotation, but he said publicly anyway that he's going to go with an eight-man rotation. So with that in mind, you're looking at two veteran players that are going to be on the outside looking in and you know trying to battle for more opportunity or, or pretty much are there for depth. And that's before we even get to Jared Butler or even Elijah Hughes or Udoka Azabuki and, and players that uh, are young on this roster. So with that in mind, there's not a lot of roles out there to be had for this, this Jazz team. But last night, I think... The Jared Butler, I think what he did was important because when you look at the year or the Jazz team last year, and they were really good, but one issue that they that they had is when Mike Conley would miss a game, or Mike Conley and Joe Ingles would miss a game, or Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell would miss a game, and the Jazz were short on ball handlers, but they were also short on players that could beat their guy and get the offense going. And of course when when the when the blender's moving, we've talked about it for years, when the blender's going and the jazz spacing is right, that offense is extraordinarily difficult to stop. But if they have to run a lot of action to get the ball handler into the blender, it can be an issue. And so Donovan Mitchell no doubt has no problem beating his guy. Mike Conley, no problem beating his guy. Joe Ingles, different story, good ball handler, but requires a screen in order to get that going. They were short on players that had the ability to execute the offense, beat their guys, start the blender. It was an issue. Maybe not a major issue, but when I see Jared Butler play the way that he did, I think that that is a role that could possibly be for him. And DJ made the good point, that's not going to be a role every game. You know, maybe we see him play that role in 15 games, 20 games, but there could be an opportunity for him to get on the floor if it proves out that he can do that consistently. And, you know, if the Jazz are trying to fit themselves for the long run and go into playoffs healthy and all that, depth is going to be an asset in the regular season. And so maybe there's an opportunity where he can get those limited minutes if there is uh, somebody resting or an injury in front of him where he can get out and make an impact on that team. I thought that that was important. And then the, uh, the other player that stood out was Malik Fitz. And, uh, of course, he's from St. Mary's. Hatch, you follow the Cougar. Well, and the Utes, you follow everything closely. But uh, but BYU basketball, certainly. And got a look at him at St. Mary's. Uh, Coach Lacombe talked last night and just uh, how well coached he is coming out of that system with, yeah. with Randy Bennett. He's a good player. And DJ, earlier with you, actually made a very good point. Right now in the preseason, you don't want to be on the wrong side of a Joe Ingles situation yeah. where you let a guy go who ends up blowing up somewhere right. else. And he's 6'8", or excuse me, 6'10". 
and what two thirty? He's got he's got an NBA. He's body. got size. He's he's got that versatile size and athleticism that makes him automatically valuable. But here here's the thing with him. Why he's interesting is that he's actually attached to the Clippers G League team, the Agua Caliente Clippers. So if the Jazz release him, they're not going to be able to re-sign him with the Stars. He's going to he, be playing he's, for he's the got his rights owned by the Agua Caliente Clippers. But if the Jazz use him as a two-way player, which they currently have one spot open for a two-way guy, Justin James. because they waived Justin James, then they can keep him with the organization and utilize the stars as well as possibly get him an opportunity with the the big club. So if he can go out there and do what he did last night, which twelve points, four of seven from the field, but four of five from three, and he had three assists and a rebound, so. If he can use that big athletic body to be versatile and play different positions, and you know, shooting eighty percent from three is not going to be something to expect. But if he can be a suitable three-point shooter, there's a role for him on any team, and, and so especially with yeah, Utah Jazz, absolutely. Who needs some versatility? Who need versatile players? Long, athletic guys. And maybe he's not a solution for that this year, but if you can get him on a, as a two-way guy, have him part of your depth, develop him with the stars, then, man, if you've got something, and he becomes part of the rotation going forward. And let's face it, you know, the Jazz moves this year in the offseason. They didn't exactly get younger. Rudy Go or I keep saying Rudy Gobert. There's there's two Rudys on the team now. Two Rudy G's on the team, and it's going to get me. But Rudy Gobert... Rudy, I did it again. Rudy, Rudy Gay. Gay. Rudy Gay. Ain't playing forever. He's 36 already, yeah. right? He's not going to be around in a couple of years. And he's at that point in his career where Rudy Gay is probably going to play for a different uh, couple of different teams, be that veteran presence going forward. Maybe he spends a couple of years with the Jazz. Maybe. But they're certainly going to be looking for those types Joe of Johnson players style. In, the, in the future. And uh, if Malik fits, you know, got the build, if he can shoot the ball, Buy into what the coaching staff is uh, selling from a defensive standpoint. There could be a role for that guy in the future. So those were the two players that jumped out to me in a game last night that didn't have a lot of pizzazz because a lot of players were not playing, a lot of players resting. But I thought there were a couple of interesting performances from those guys, and uh, they, they certainly played well. Coming up next, we have the Not Sports Report. Then Hans Olsen is uh, is going to be in with us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. We'll talk some uh, college football, maybe mix in a little jazz with Hansi as well. So stay tuned for that. It is The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Utes look to pick up their first ever win in the Coliseum as they hit the road to square off against the Trojans of USC. Catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 5 o'clock with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Ute football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's the big show, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for the Not Sports Report, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used uh, vehicles in inventory. Check them out online, lhmusedcars.com. 
All right, Hatch. I, I've got a story for you, but I I want to uh, I want you to participate um, and okay. and answer me. Who is the well? Okay, so this comes from a Reddit group. This story call it comes from a Reddit group called "Was I the Jerk?" But a different word for jerk. Was I the was I in the wrong? Got How it. about okay. that? that? You know works. what I mean? Yes. All right. So this uh, this person who's a, an amateur photographer uh, put up this story. This amateur photographer had a friend who was getting married and they were trying to save money. So the friend asked this person if they would shoot the wedding for them for $250 to which the amateur photographer agreed. Well, the event turned out to be 10 hours long. Um, Let's see. I'll just read some of this. Uh, On the day of, I'm driving around following the bride as she goes from appointment to appointment before the ceremony, taking photos along the way. I shoot the ceremony itself. And during the reception, I'm shooting speeches and people mingling. Uh, This person goes on. I started around 11 a.m. and was due to finish around 7.30 p.m. Around 5 p.m., food is being served, and I was told I cannot stop to eat because I need to be a photographer. In fact, they didn't save me a spot at any table. I'm getting tired and at this point kind of regretting doing this for next to nothing. It's also unbelievably hot. The venue is an old veterans uh, legion and it's like 110 degrees and there's no AC. I told the groom I need to take off for 20 minutes to get something to eat and drink. There's no open bar or anything. I can't even get water and my two water bottles are long empty. He tells me I need to do to either be a photographer or leave without pay. With the heat, being hungry, being generally annoyed at, at the circumstances, I asked if he was sure, and he said yes. So, and here's the here's the part that that I think it will be controversial. So, I deleted all of the photos I took in front of him and took off saying I'm not his photographer anymore. If I was to be paid $250, honestly at that point, I would have paid $250 just for a glass of cold water and somewhere to sit for 5 minutes. Was I the jerk? They went on their honeymoon, and they've all been off social media, but a lot of people have been posting on their wall asking about photos with zero responses. So, who was who was the jerk here? There are wrongs on both sides of this, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, obviously, to expect somebody to spend 10 hours, for, was it 250 was the agreement agreed for upon the whole, for the whole day? Shebang. Which is, by the way, nothing for a wedding photographer. Say, for a yeah. wedding photographer, you are yeah, that's, like severely underselling yourself. That's budget. Right yeah. There. Yeah. Uh, so that taking advantage of that, essentially considering, well, I pay you two hundred fifty bucks. You need to be on it for these ten hours, yeah. like. But then also to delete every single photo right in front of them and storm out. Uh, that's not the best way to handle things. So I guess I was a, I guess I was a little torn on this hatch, but I think I'm going to side entirely with the photographer. Okay. I, I'm leaning towards siding with the photographer considering you and I both got married. We had wedding photographers yeah, yeah. there. It, it's just common courtesy. That if they need a minute, let them go get a drink, let them do their thing, get them some food. 
Well, okay, so so I'll get to that. The the only part where I can kind of fault the photographer is the photographer should just have done it and not bothered the group. Sure. Like on your wedding day, or at least on mine, I don't want to deal with the darn photographer. No. We hired you to do it. Exist like, exists in the background. Yeah. And if you got to get a drink of water, for heaven's sake, go get a drink of water. Don't be bothering me about whether or not you can get food or water. That that's the only fault I can I can think of for the photographer. Other than that. If you're paying 250 bucks to a friend to photograph your wedding, get him a seat at the table and get him some food. I mean, that should have been part of the deal. Like, hey, I know you're doing this for only 250 bucks, but we're going to feed you. You know, you're going to have uh, whatever, prime rib, whatever we're cooking. You got it. And the guy did say, the groom did say, are you, are you here to be a photographer? Are you here to eat? You could just not be paid and go home. Listen, if you're not going to pay for those fo- photographs, they ain't yours. So that was on him, I feel. Her deleting the pictures, that that was his fault. What did he expect? He gave her the ultimatum, or her, I'm assuming it's a her. It could be a he, I apologize. He gave them the ultimatum. You here to take pictures? You can go without pay. Fine. Delete. I would have done the same thing. But I don't understand why the photographer didn't just do it. Right? Uh, yeah. Would you even have noticed if your photographer took 10 minutes to eat? No. Would you even have Not at all. noticed at all? Nope. Even reviewing the pictures, you wouldn't have gone, wait a minute, there's a 10-minute gap here. There's a gap in the program here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I wouldn't even notice. Just go eat something. I don't care. So Get a drink of water. What are you asking me for? It's kind of funny we're talking about this because I just I refreshed Twitter just barely, and somebody just retweeted this. It says, do you know these people? It said they found a camera card in Orem, and the person is trying to locate these people, and it's people dressed up like for their wedding. Uh-huh. So it looks like it's a it's a it's a photo shoot for a wedding. They're trying to find these people because the oh. card was just found in Orem. So. Uh Paul tweets in and makes a terrific point, I think. Paul says the deleting was wrong. She should have held them for ransom. There it is. That's the that's way that's the, the way, way to go. Yeah, yes. you are right about that, yeah. Paul. She uh they got overcome by bitterness right there for the delete. They should have thought about that a little bit further. Like, all right, I'm bouncing and you don't have to pay me, but call me in a month when you're like, Wow, we have no pictures from our wedding, and then I'm gonna charge you a grand. That would have been the plan. That right would have been the plan. Yeah. Paul, you're right. That would have been it. Oh, oh, you're sorry you wouldn't let me get a drink of water, are you? And now you desperately want your pictures. Oh, oh, do you now? Well, that water would have cost you nothing. And now your pictures are going to cost you 1500 bucks. Holler! Just, That's the play. Yeah, that would have been absolutely... That's the yeah. play, Paul. You're right on the money. That's it. All right. I had another non-sports report. But I thought, you know what? I'm, maybe I'll run this one by Hans. This this next yeah. this other story has Hans written all over it. Hans, this wedding one, Hans would absolutely have some thoughts on it too. Oh, Hans is so cheap, though. I would think he he's siding with the wet. The he's siding against the photographer. Thinking you're right. Hans would side with the groom. Well, you agreed to that price. Are you here to take pictures or what? Get back to work. I still can't get over. Why wouldn't the photographer just do it? Just go do your thing. Excuse me, groom, yeah. on your wedding day. Most important day let of me, your life. Let me bug you. Hey, can I get something to eat? I don't care. Eat something. Jeez, drink something. I don't I don't care. 
But yeah, I don't know if I would have fired the photographer there on the spot. That probably wasn't the smartest move. All right, we're hoping uh, Hans is going to drop by. Coming up next, stay tuned. Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.